Welcome everyone to the Foundational Sales Podcast, where our intention is to get those in the sales industry to think. Today's guest is an author, a speaker, a trainer, a mentor, a consultant, and a personal friend. And I, and I know through all of our conversations made a big difference in my life and will do the same for you. His name is uh, Jaron Banks. Welcome, Jaron. Thank you, Paul. Um, I'm honored to be here and appreciate you inviting me on. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Jaron, as we mentioned, is an author. And our goal today is to talk about talk about his book and also introduce him to the audience. Now, my first question, Jaron, is really, you know, what's your claim to fame? That's my famous first question. <laughs> you know, what are you known for? And why don't you just give a little background? You know, give, give us a little background. Tell us who you are. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say personally, I'll, I'll answer this in two ways. I'll answer what I think I'm known for, and then I'll also look at it from the lens of what I've heard other people say, you know, mentors, teachers, friends, family. But personally, I would say I think I'm known for taking a situation that could be negative or uh, traumatic or tragic and turning that around, um, making making lemonade out of lemons per se, right? And I think that's probably what I'm known for, what I look at myself in my life, where I look through situations, I've always found a way, sometimes it takes time, but I found a way to find the silver lining or find the gift in a experience that I'm going through that may be um, considered negative or uh, painful or a, a loss of a goal or a dream that I was pursuing. So I think that's kind of how I would look at myself. And of course, I, that tends to rub off on the people that I'm around, right? So um, that's operated in sports. I played college basketball, collegiate sports, uh, worked in the tech industry. I've managed teams. I've been a team member. Um, I've traveled globally. Um, and then, um, as you wrote, I'm a, as you spoke about, I'm an author. Now I just wrote my first book. Um, I've also worked with clients and coached for several years, been a mentor. Um, and in all those situations, that same type of energy comes forward, um, I believe. And many of my peers and friends and family um, have said the same thing. And I've also heard them say that they were always um, kind of inspired like by my visions or my goals or my dreams. So I think from an external standpoint, like I'm always projecting a vision of, like of who we are. I think I just enjoy speaking to my my family, which I consider my family to be every human being on the earth, um, about vision and dreams and where we can go, right? And it's not necessarily something that is realistic in this moment, but it gives us a vision or something to achieve or strive for, I think, which is key for um, the way that we operate as human beings. I think a lot of our problems sometimes gets to a point where we start to kind of circle the same thing again and again. You kind of get stuck in this loop, right? So 
I think my claim to fame, I would say overall, would be instilling or inspiring vision. Obviously, that's within myself and within other people. So great question, Paul. No, I, I appreciate that. And segueing to your book, Awaken Adventure, I'm sure there was an inflection point in your life that kind of took you to, you know, took you on the path that you're on, inspired you to write the book. Anything you want to talk to us about? Any type of inflection point or change or aha moment? Yeah, I think, um, well, one of the biggest points is actually in the book, right? And I had a major injury um, playing basketball. I won't go too deep into that story. I'll save save it for people who want to actually get that book. But um, I was basically told that life was going to be one way, you know, by a doctor. And I didn't listen to that. Um, but the experience I had to get to that point really opened me up to a internal power or internal messaging or almost wisdom that I had that I could count on. So I started listening to what people may call intuition or a higher self, or, you know, some people in a religious or spiritual standpoint may say, Oh, God was talking to me or an angel or, you know, a guide or, uh, ancestor. I mean, you hear all types of ways that this is used, and I like to use the different words so people can start to correlate their language to what I'm talking about. But I um, realized there was something more to life beyond what was actually like in front of us, right? And so that led me to start to dive deeper into kind of who I am what's really going on and what's beyond what's just the immediate five senses or kind of your immediate superficial aspects of things. Um, and then I've had major experiences with dreams. And so you'll uh, notice that, I think we'll talk about that a little bit later even more, is that you'll hear the word dream used a lot in my language. That's the name of my company, Dream Power Academy. Um, it's experience that, experiences that I had as a youth. I had very strong dreams, nightmares, prophetic dreams, all the way up into my late 30s. And then I had a very strong um, experience with my nighttime dreams. And then I had several people who I met during that time who I shared several dreams or experiences and they were inspired. And these were uh, very significant teachers, people who were kind of high up in certain areas, um, if you could talk about self-development or the spiritual realms, and they all gave me the same, you know, go ahead, like, hey, that's your gift. Hey, you have to learn more about that, learn more about yourself and, and help, you know, help the world with this. So um, that really was kind of the inflection point that really shifted me on my path was just really connecting more with me and seeing how there was more to what I thought life was about, right? And just getting deeper down, going deeper down that path, which I'm still on now. Yeah, and I think it's it's also safe to say that really what you look to maybe get out of your path is, it sounds like to really be an asset to other people, 
Is that safe to say? Yes, I would I would say that is a, a big uh, part of my, um, you could say like credo or my way is I, I do enjoy being of service and of value to um, other people in, in whatever way I can do that, right? And um, which sometimes means I do have the dexterity for this. Sometimes to help someone, you may have to do something that they don't like, right? They they may be pissed off at you. You know, I've had this situation with friends, clients, family, right? You, someone asks you for something and you know that's not going to help them. It's just going to enable them to keep doing the wrong thing, right? And you say no, right? And they don't want to talk to you <laughs> yeah. again. And then, but then a year later or they come back and say, man, that really helped me. Or maybe you never hear from them again, right? And so I think a part of that is what you hear people sometimes talk about being selfless. Um, I think a part of it is learning about yourself. So I think the ability that allows me to really want to help other people is that I actually am taking the time and honoring myself and helping myself. And as I go through that, I start to see that other people are going through the same things. And so that opens up compassion, meaning you see someone making a mistake and you're like, oh, I've done that before. So you don't judge them, right? So then now you are able to help that person or talk to them. And then now the selfless part is not that you're putting that person's needs ahead of yours. It's just that you actually, from a perception standpoint, look at life through their eyes and say, okay, how can I, how can I assist this person? You're no longer thinking about yourself, right? And so, um, so I would definitely agree with your statement. Yeah, I, I really would like my actions, the things that I do in life, to benefit me. Of course, I think that's key to to let let people understand that. I want them to benefit me also, but also benefit the people who are around me, my family, my world, and if I can leave something behind for the next generations to where they can skip or bypass some of the mistakes that I've made or we've made as a generation, I believe that is that is leaving something behind or leaving a legacy, right? A legacy doesn't have to always be about, um, you know, passing uh, money on or property, or it could also be a legacy of example, which we've seen many people in the past who've done that, you know, from spiritual leaders to, uh, civil rights leaders to uh, political leaders. There's all types of people, even sports heroes, right? They leave legacies for the sport, right? We always talk about, um, you know, the guy who broke the four minute mile, right? And then look what happened after that, right? So that could also be uh, a legacy and just of example. So um, I, lo I love that question that you just asked. And for someone who is going to buy your book, and read it tomorrow, what do you want them to get out of it? I think simply I would like for them to get out of it the understanding that there's an external world, meaning our five senses, seeing, touching, hearing, smelling, tasting, and then what other people want you to do, thoughts, knowledge, all this is coming from the outside. And, and simply to understand that there is an inside world, 
and that's you. That's that's everything that's within you. Now, some of those things have been influenced by the external, but to start to traverse your internal world, right? To understand what your makeup is, or as I like to say to a lot of my clients who work in the tech field, what is your programming? <laughs> and once you start looking at that, it's simply that simple look. Now you're starting to become more aware of yourself. And this is what we hear in a lot of new age talk and different um, groups who talk about consciousness, right? The expansion of consciousness is just you being more aware of things. And so imagine what would happen if you become more aware of yourself, you're going to gain more power within yourself, right? So you always hear the statement, know thyself. So that, that to me would be the really core piece that I would hope that people would get out of the book. There's many stories and scenarios and aspects around that, but the key thing that I'm delivering really is just to say, hey, take a moment and start to look at yourself because the world we live in is moving at a pace and a clip that we've never seen before in terms of information, access, knowledge. Um, it can be overwhelming. It can also lead you to a point to where you're constantly absorbing and taking in things that have nothing to do with you, um, that are not designed to help you understand yourself. And so if we, we just take the time, it could even be five minutes a day just to stop and say, hey, hey, look, wait a minute, let me think about me, <laughs> right? And that's what I would hope people really get from that book. Yeah, and you know, the book is interesting and I've, I've read it and I've read a lot of books, I would say in this genre, but I think the one thing that really stood out to me is, you know, you're, you know when you're talking about the relationship between, you know, thoughts, feelings, and you bring in emotions, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because the the emotions part w was quite interesting to me. Yeah, and I, you know, in, in the book, I kind of distinguish feelings and emotions as being being different, and this is more of a way for us to look at ourselves more of than being a you know dictionary definition right so i would like to, to clarify that first so people don't you know I, I i wouldn't get into an argument with someone to say hey well this is what an emotion is and this and, and this is what a feeling is in in general we're gonna you know most people are gonna say those are the same thing and i agree but in the book what i'm stating is feelings are are our natural state meaning they're just the vibration in our bodies of the thought that we just had. So you think something and then you feel a certain way about it. Now, what many of us do is a certain feeling comes up and we, it's like we hold, it's like we get stuck in a loop and we just stay on it. So if you've ever been in a situation where someone says something, um, it, it bothers you like, it, you know, maybe you feel sad or you feel anger or something like that. And then the conversation's over. It's two hours later and you still are upset about it. 
that to me is what I call an emotion because it's like you're, you have settled in in it and it's like, you're just looping it. Yeah. Right. And you, and you, and we've all been through this where you're even telling yourself, man, why can't I let this go? Yeah. Like, why am I still upset? Right. And so I'd like to distinguish those as being different because I learned from a great mentor years ago. And he says that basically love and motion is feelings. Like it's just love moving in all different shapes and forms through our experience in our body. And then he said, emotion is actually the opposite of motion, but it's no longer moving. It's stuck. Yeah. And so it's an, that's why he says it's an emotion, right? And so I just like to use that. And I stated that in the book because I believe it's a good way for us to start to recognize ourselves in the certain states that we're in. And so, and as I go further in the book, there's actually a gift and a way out from those situations, because then you start to learn, like if it's anger, you know, okay, well, what is the opposite of anger? And, you know, people can just lightly play with it. Well, it could be forgiveness. It could be authority, right? Usually when you're anger, angry about something, yeah. it usually has to do with some limit of your authorship meaning it's you you feel like you're being boxed in someone's telling you to do something you don't want to do or you made a mistake or you didn't express yourself the way you wanted to and now you're upset at yourself or you're upset at someone else because they're treating you a certain way right but really the opposite of that would be like usually it's like okay well you're angry so you actually have something to say to someone right which is actually an expression or taking your own authority or you just need to let it go and forgive yourself or the other person, which forgiveness is a very, um, anyone who's been through actually forgiving realizes that you actually just let it go. You don't even think about it anymore. That's actually what forgiving is, right? It's not even in your consciousness. And these are all states that you can start to see where there's a type of motion involved. Yeah. And so, I illustrate that somewhat in the book, but that's that's kind of what um, my take is on thoughts, feelings, um, and emotions, and that's the way I made that distinction in the book. Yeah, no, that was that was that really stood out to me. Though it was a it was an excellent, uh, re really an excellent synopsis synopsis on the topic. Now I remember several months back you mentioned the book Psycho Cybernetics, and I know vision is a really big part of of what you do and how you help people you know, craft their own vision and so forth. How, how has that book influenced you? It's a pretty popular book. And how did you utilize that to kind of create your own vision or, and so forth? Yeah, I've read that book a couple of times and I just recently was listening to the audio version of it um, just a few weeks ago. And, one of my other mentors, uh, Bob Proctor, a very popular speaker and coach um, who's been in the in the self-development you know world, actually kind of one of the originators in that world. Um, he 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 mentions an aspect of psychocybernetics and he calls it you know the self-image, right? And they talk about that in that book. And uh, I learned a lot from that book and this. Uh, teacher I was talking about um, that a person 
doesn't really go any further than their own self-image. And it really, reading that book really, you know, especially repeating it over and over again and going back and listening to it and then becoming wiser as over the years and understanding that there's truth to that um, is really what has influenced me to really take the time to really evaluate how I view myself, right? Versus the things that we put on for the outside world, right? So it's a lot of times, you know, we'll get dressed up to go to work or go to an event and you put on a really nice suit and um, you may look nice or get dressed nice, but that's kind of your external image. But within, if you feel like you're not really, you know, like you're like, oh man, my suit doesn't really fit well, or this is not the tie that I wanted, and it doesn't look good with this shirt. I just don't feel that good going to this event. I feel like I could have dressed better, or I forgot my favorite shoes, or like something internally is happening. And I, and we probably all experience this where you go someplace and you think you're almost expecting people to say something about the thing that you don't like. And actually they say the opposite. They're like, Oh wow. Like that's a great tie or that's a great shirt or man, you're really dressed nice. And you kind of like, you're surprised. Yeah. You're kind of like, Oh, Oh wow. People really like this. And the reason I'm bringing that example up because that right there is the difference, right? The self-image, the way you're looking at yourself is not the same as the way other people are looking at you. And what I learned in psychocybernetics is ultimately the way you look at yourself and think about yourself is going to help you achieve your results or whatever you're trying to do in your life, or it's going to hinder you. And so this is why you'll see certain people get in situations and it's almost like they self-destruct or um, we've all, we've all met people. I've met plenty of people in my life, men and women who are good looking, attractive people, but they don't feel that way about themselves. Yeah. Right. And you, and you hear them say it and then you watch them move through life and you realize they're experiencing just the way they feel about themselves, even though other people are looking at them like, you know, they're like, Oh, you're looking at my dress. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an ugly dress. I had a friend say that to me. I was like, no, I think it's a really great dress. And she just couldn't, she just kept going back and like, no, 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 you got to be lying. Stop lying to me. Right. (laughs) So that, I think that's really influenced me and that I've really taken, started taking the time to really improve and upgrade my self image, meaning we get to create whatever our self image is. And so really starting to go in and realize what is it that I've already built and transforming the areas that I can see that are limiting or that I may have received from my parents or my lineage or the external world and just start changing how I want to feel about myself. Now, of course, that takes time and that takes a lot of tender care with yourself, but that's uh, the influence that 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 book has had on me and um, it's, it's done a lot of benefit for me, especially in the world of sales, you know, which I know is the main purpose of your, um, your podcast is 
really changing my image about how I present myself and who I am and what I have to offer. And that comes across in the way that you communicate with people. And um, that makes them feel comfortable and trust and build a level of trust. And you're able to actually offer people um, solutions, right? Instead of selling. And that was a big deal for me. My self image about selling was, oh, I have to offer somebody, I have to convince somebody to buy something. That was part of my self image. And I started changing that and realizing, no, I'm just going to talk to this person and find out who they are, what they're doing. If that's a personal, right, a person, if it's a company, same thing. What are they doing? What are their goals? What are their pain points? What are their problems? And if I have a solution, then I can offer it. And so it makes it, so then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not actually selling anything. I'm helping them. Why? Because I have a solution that can help them. And you see that shifts the issue of what we have grown up, right? And again, that's my, that was my image that I built around selling. So then I start to realize, oh, well, that's the reason why I always had a problem with selling because my image of it was off. So I think that's really one of the most powerful places that I've used some of the things that I learned from psycho-cybernetics was to change my own self-image about selling myself. Yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, in your book, there you speak about about thought replacement. You're changing your thoughts as as a way to put a person on a different path. And me personally, I have kind of had a very conflicting relationship with, with this approach. Maybe it's just me, but I always felt that when I would engage in in doing something like this, you know, with the use of, of mantras in the morning and, and so forth, it, it never really, it never really kind of stuck, uh, stuck by, you know, by lunchtime, by, by noontime. I mean, for people like me that struggled in, you know, with that approach, what, what do you think I'm missing or what do you think I'm, I'm doing wrong? Well, I think the, I think the first piece um, that's very powerful and it's something that I'm learning more and more each day. And we have to also learn that it's such an integral part of our existence on the earth. And it's actually, there's a positive part, a positive aspect to it. And that is our labeling of things, right? Good or bad. And so you just said it right now in your language. You said, what am I doing wrong? So when a person asks a question like that, what am I doing wrong? The only answer you're going to get is what you're doing wrong. So many times we will hear a thought that we have, or we'll connect to something that we're saying, like we'll catch ourselves saying something and you're like, Oh, wow. Am I actually saying that every day? And that's a beautiful thing to be able to hear your own thoughts and catch them and say, oh, wow, I'm saying this. And then the next part that causes problems or resistance for a lot of people is they label that as, oh, that's the wrong thing. I'm saying the wrong thing. So then they start looking for the right thing to say. So it's like you're almost like pressure squeezing yourself right you can see like it's like a pressure thing it's like okay well now i've got to say the right thing and i've got to say it this many times a day 
or I have to do these affirmations. And it becomes like this thing where you're constantly looking for the result, right? It's like you're squeezing it. It's like you're just squeezing it too hard, right? And that's one aspect of it. So I would say the first piece is to let go of the right or wrong thing. Um, and that's something that you have to give yourself some time. So you, and that's why I like to use the word code. So when we catch certain thoughts, you can look at them as code. And you can actually look at that thought and you can actually run it through a test. And I have a system that I use with my clients where you can actually take a thought and we can actually run it through and find out what the result would be. And when you see what the code produces, then you realize, okay, there's nothing wrong with this thought. It's just not producing the result that I'm looking for now. It was producing it for me in the past because I needed this thought to help me get through the crazy situation that I went through as a kid or the negative situation that I went through during this traumatic time. But now this thought doesn't serve me or I got this thought from my parents or my environment, right? And so you can see what it turns into. And so I like to look at it that way because now you're a lot lighter with it. You're like, oh, that makes perfect sense why my life is this way because that thought equals these results. Well, I don't want that result anymore. And then you can go back, and this is the second piece, which I think is even more important, which I think will hit right close to what you're talking about is, and I'll give a perfect example. You know, a person is struggling with money. And maybe the person is saying to themselves over and over again, you know, I'm always broke or I don't have enough money. And they catch themselves saying that, or maybe a friend who they trust says, hey, you know, you're always talking about how you don't have enough money. You know, maybe you could change that speech and the person's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Wow, thank you for telling me that. I didn't realize I'm always saying that. So then the person says, well, I'm going to say something different. You know, and the person says, oh, uh, you know, I'm abundant and I have a million dollars in the bank. Now, if you look at the gap between what they were saying before. Yeah. And what, what they're saying now, that's a huge gap. So sometimes what happens is consciously they say this new affirmation or mantra, but the, con but the subconscious is like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's way too, it's, it's just way out there. So It's like they couldn't sell themselves that. Right. And so I had a client a few weeks ago. Like peel the onion back and like that's kind of where I I think if you if you peel like for example, if someone says the mantra, they wake up and say, Okay, today I intend to hustle and work hard, hustle and work hard like 15 times, right? You that I mean, you're expecting that to jumpstart you. I mean, that's kind of my experience with that type of stuff. But I get what you're saying. Right. And the other thing is, again, you know, this is why, you know, a book is a book and working with someone one-on-one -on -one is a whole nother level because, yeah. um, you know, I have a client, I was talking with her last week and she was going through this week. We found, you know, I like to say it, we found some of her code or, we, or, or like I also say, we are, I was helping her weed her garden right? She was finding 
she called it out and she goes, oh, wow, I caught myself saying this last week. And she goes, can we run through this? And so what we do is we, we run through the existing place. So a lot of times people are not even comfortable talking about where they are. Now, you may notice this in life, right? Mm-hmm. People don't, people don't want to tell you exactly what's going on, let's say with money, what's actually happening in their bank account or like they, they don't want to tell you because it's like, oh, well, I'm embarrassed or I don't want them to know that I'm uh, in debt right now or I'm barely making my, you know, like, again, it's that judgment. So when you're with someone you trust and that judgment what leaves and you're able just to talk and be there, you start to become, you start to become familiar with where you're at and you're able to start to be a little bit more open-minded and creative. And then the next step is, it's a very gentle process to say, to identify what, what you're saying, right? Which may be a negative thing. And then to have someone ask you, well, well, what's a way we could upgrade that thought? What's a, what's a better thing that you could say to produce a different result? Now, what happens is usually the person will say something. Sometimes it's very logical, kind of what I said before. Well, I'm abundant and I have a million dollars. And then me as a coach, they say something and I can tell when something really resonates from their heart, meaning it's their language. It, it really feels good. And like my client, she made a comment. This was about money. She says she just she changed it from I'm in debt. And I owe people. And she just said, I'm making progress towards my financial goals. It was that that was all she that was the only shift she made. Yeah. And when she said it to me, she said that feels good. And her body language was positive. She goes, yeah, that feels good to me. And see, you can see how that's not a huge jump. It's just a little, it's just a stretch. But then when we, we run that thought through, I said, how do you feel when you think that thought? And she was like, I feel empowered. See, it was a total shift Yeah. from the other thought where she said she felt like she was trapped. You see the difference? So yeah. it's the subtle, small shifts that sometimes our logical mind makes it seem like, oh, no, 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 it couldn't just be that that easy it needs to be something big and huge we need to you know we need to write a whole novel about it before we can you know change it but usually it's something small and a small shift in the thought and our feelings and it can shift the way that we operate and of course just like you said you do have to have the patience and the discipline and i like to explain the word discipline in a different way many of us have been taught about discipline meaning you have to do something that you don't want to do repeatedly. Yeah. And I tell people, discipline is you being a disciple to your heart, to your own goals, to your own dreams. And so a lot of times when we look at our lives, you, you go through your day and you're like, man, I just did 10 things for everybody else and I didn't even do the one thing for myself that I really want to do. Well, why didn't I do that? It's not because you're a bad person to yourself, you know, or you're neglecting yourself. It's because we've been trained all these years through school and and through work to do other things for other people. It's a habit. So that's why I always say to people, you'll always hear me repeatedly say, hey, if it's just one minute, two minutes, five minutes, take take a second for yourself because I know how deep how deep people have gotten away from that. So just one minute will, will be a huge change because most people are doing everything for everybody else. 
Yeah, and and I think what you just said on how to think of discipline, it's it's like a diffusion. It like takes down a barrier. And it yes. makes what you're doing, it kind of changes the way you think about what you're doing from a have to to, all right, this is going to support my path. So I like that. I like that. Very good. Very good. You know, the one thing about you that I always found interesting is that you have, there's like a mind-body connection in, in your book that you that you talk about. And I know that you have some some consumption habits that you take very, very seriously. I guess what, maybe you could just educate us, you know, what are some of those consumption habits and how have they made a difference for you? Well, yeah, I, um, and this has grown over the years and it really started with um, food. Yeah. And, um, and then it got to a point where I started realizing that nutrition, because we're not just physical uh, beings, I started realizing that our nutrition comes in many different forms, right? So the foods that we eat, but also the um, feelings or emotional nutrition that you may receive, right? This is, uh, you know, when you meet a good friend and you hug them and how you feel when, after you hug your friend, that's, that's nutrition. Like it feeds us, right? Um, your family, being around good friends, family, people that you love and trust, and you, you leave from that, let's say, a, a family event or a good event, and you walk away and you're like, man, I just had such a good time. It's, it's almost like you received a type of nutrition, a, a uh, feeling nutrition, right? And then there's mental nutrition, and then there's, of course, spiritual nutrition, which um, many of the religious groups have uh, focused on, which there's a lot of positive things there, right? I, I don't have anything bad to say against religion, uh, but there are some negative aspects in that as well, but that's in any area, right? If someone takes things too far or um, loses the, the true nature of something, it can be kind of debased or changed in a certain way. But all those levels, I really started looking at with the, with the, the base starting in the, in the food, was like, hey, what am I actually consuming each day? And how is that affecting or impacting my body? So the first thing was just to like, if I eat something, you know, sometimes you'll see somebody eat something and then two hours later, they're like, man, I don't know why my stomach hurts. And you're looking at them like, well, of course, you know why. Like you just had two chili dogs with, with, with uh, two Cokes and a soda. But the person is acting like, it just happened to them. They didn't have any, you know, anything to do with it. And I remember times in my life being like that, where I'd walk away later and I'd feel sick or upset. And I just had no correlation to what I'd actually chosen to do. And so I think that was the first place where I really started to evaluate what I was eating and how I felt. And then I started to realize, okay, these foods, I don't feel good afterwards, or I feel sleepy, or my digestion seems to not work really well, right? And so, and then you start to research things and it starts to validate those things. Oh, well, it says here that these types of foods can cause this for some people, right? And so I just started to change my diet and then I started to notice that I started to be very careful about the people that I'm around and that's very, that's even heightened even more now, right? If I'm around people, I wanna be around people who I trust, who are inspiring, who empower me, who love me, 
who also want to be around me, right? And uh, if I'm around people who are negative or complaining or they are aggressive or if they're violent, I'm I'm just going to re- remove myself from that area. Yeah. Uh, no, again, no no judgment of them, right? And the same thing with mental ideas. The things that support me and I feel are helping me going in the direction that I choose, those are the things that I will consume and read. So to give you a perfect example in terms of consumption, I very rarely consume news or news on TV or news on the internet. I'm very, and I'm very focused when I do consume, meaning I go looking to research about something. So if I go out and I want to hear some information about a particular new event that's happening in the world or a new technology or um, something that's happening in a certain area or a country I want to go visit, I go research about that thing. I will never just take someone's opinion or only one person's viewpoint on it because that's not going to give me the full spectrum, right? Yeah, and, and, and you're, uh, you're talking to someone who hasn't had cable TV since two, 2013 and I implore to anyone listening if you remove that from your life you you will not it'll be so unbelievable how much happier you will be but also how much more aware you will be and that's one of the biggest things that you talk about in your book regarding self-development is just gaining that awareness yes i completely agree i mean i so many people I've heard say, well, how do you keep up with important information? And I'm like, the, really the most important things are for us to really be in tune with ourselves. Like, um, tending our own garden, <laughs> right. Tending, tending our own garden, taking care of ourselves. And that's actually, you know, quite a few clients I have, have children, have kids, have, you know, significant mm-hmm. others. And, They've all said the same thing. They're like, man, if, you know, the time I take for myself I actually allows me to do more for my children, actually allows me to do more for my husband or my wife because they're centered in who they are, which allows them to actually be present with someone else, right? Because they're like, they're not trying to figure out what they're going to do or, or how they're going to be. They already know who they're going to be. So then they go forward when they speak with someone else they can instantly say, no, that's not going to work. But how about this? How about this choice that works for both of us? Right. And there's so many situations in life where, you know, I've had suffering. I felt like I was suffering and I realized later, it was like, yeah, but the, but the reason you got there was because you just agreed to do something that you really didn't want to do. Why did you do that? Right. And so you start to realize, oh, well, I just, and then you stop and you're like, well, I didn't, I never really thought about it for myself. I just said, yes. It's like, yeah, that's why that time for ourselves is important and limiting the external distractions because what many, what many people don't realize is we really don't have a news source anymore out there where you can go and say, hey, I just want to find out with no opinions, no uh, agendas, just what's actually going on, right? Just the facts. Yeah. It, it really, it really doesn't exist anymore. And almost every piece of information and knowledge that's coming our way now has some type of 
skew uh, attachment. <laughs> yeah, right. A skew or or attachment saying, hey, we want you to actually, it's trying to influence you to think a certain way or do something. Now, I have no, I have no issues with that because I do that in my own business. That's called marketing. That's even this podcast itself could be considered uh, influencing people to check me out or read the book or come back and listen to more of your podcast. Um, and that's where you determine to go back to the, what you talked about consumption. That's where I determine the things that I want to listen to are resonating with me and my purpose in my life. And those are the podcasts and books and magazines and uh, email subscriptions and different things that I stay abreast of and the things that are not uh, going in that flow with me, I stay away from in terms of a majority of the things that I consume. Now I still check things out to make sure that I'm understanding different people's viewpoints, which I think is important. Um, but you don't have to spend your whole day out here listening to things that are in contradiction. You know, if you want to be healthy and improve your health, you know, I would say uh, reading, you know, reading articles about donut shops and how to make donuts is probably not going to be in your best benefit. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah so. no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you said in your book, this and I highlighted this. Any feelings in contradiction to your destination will start to show themselves to you. Don't get alarmed if you notice feelings out of alignment with your goal. Part of the process when you set a new direction in your life is transforming old thoughts, beliefs, and habits. Your feelings can shine a light on areas you've been allowing to run automatically for years. When you clean your house, you find dirty items, even though your end goal is a clean house. I think that's awesome because, you know, whenever we start new endeavors, there's always like feelings of doubt, right? I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, and sometimes it's just really uncomfortable when we start. I think this was just something that really struck me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like you. Um, well, I'm honored that you bring that piece up because that was really a part in the book that I, you know, that was really personal to me. I've experienced this over and over again, and I wanted to write it in there because that was the, really the impact uh, that I wanted people to get from that is to understand that that's a natural part of the process. Now, I'll even make it simpler and give Give and I may have uh, put this as an example. If I didn't in the book, then this is a great example for any of your listeners or even you, Paul, to, to just do this exercise. And you may have already done this, and this reminds you of what it's like when you start out on a new adventure, a new endeavor, or doing something that you is completely outside of where you've been before, right? And simply, you just take a pen or a pencil and write out a sentence with your non-dominant hand <laughs> and just feel how that feels how uncomfortable it feels how when you write the letters you're not able to shape them as easily when you do it with your dominant hand right and the reason why when you write with your dominant hand 
the reason why you don't even like whenever you get ready to write, you notice how you don't think about it. You don't say, oh, I wonder if I can actually draw the the J correctly when I draw. You know, you don't think about it. You just do it. Why? Because you've learned since childhood how to write with that hand and you've been doing it for years and years. It's not it, it's such a such an ingrained habit. It's not even a thought process. So now when you come to that non-dominant hand and you try to do the same thing. It feels uncomfortable. The brain doesn't like it. The brain starts kicking off all types of stuff like this. You know, it could be anything like this is stupid. Why are we writing with our left hand? We're not going to be good at this. This is taking too long. It just starts to, it just starts to come out. Right. My wrist hurts. My fingers hurt. I can't hold the pen tight. Right. And those are all the types of things that happen. Let's say if you started, you, you starting out as a new entrepreneur and creating a new business, maybe you've had success in another business and now you're starting a new one. Right. And you're like, why am I feeling fear? And I've already done a business before. Yeah. But the, and then your brain kicks in. Yeah. But you've never done it in this industry. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like there's a part of you that's trying to help you not, put yourself in danger. So you really kind of have to assess it. And this is one of the things that I think it helps us to assess, okay, wait a minute, this is actually a fight or flight kind of reaction, but I'm not actually in physical danger here. Okay. So this feeling of fear and being uncomfortable is makes perfect sense because I'm doing something that I could not be comfortable at because I haven't done this before. Oh, right. And so then you can start to bolster or um, solidify yourself by starting to ask questions. Well, how can I be successful at this, right? How can I be more comfortable? Who can I get to help me? And of course, there's people who've already traversed those realms most of the time. Now, sometimes, you know, you could be the... Uh, the very first person striking out on something, you know, which is a whole nother level. But again, I think that's important in there is, right, you're always going to run up against things, like in the example of cleaning your house, right? And your goal is to have a clean house. Well, of course, on the way to having a clean house, you're going to run into dirty items which means you have to clean them. You have to transform them from their existing state. So if your uh, goal is to earn 150,000 next year and you only earn 50,000 this year, when you start to take that journey towards 150,000, all the thoughts that map to 50,000 are gonna pop up. Yep. Because that's who you've been. And so they're going to pop up and then you can literally, as you catch them, start to say, well, wait a minute. Are these the thoughts that a person making $150,000 a year would have? And then you can be like, no, okay, I've got to upgrade this thought. See, and that's where it goes back to what I, I mentioned before with the code. I love using that because it's it's much easier when you look at a phone or a computer because it's like hey um you know you know let's say paul you come to me and say hey jar and i, I want to put on this new program on my computer and i say hey these are the requirements 
and you're like, oh, wow, I don't have the right operating system. I need to upgrade it in order to run this program. And so you just do it. You wipe the computer and you upgrade it. Now, the thing with the computer is usually you can't use it during that time period when you're upgrading it. And maybe you can't use it for a day or two and then you get it back and then you're able, it's, it's good to go. And then now you can use the new program or operate with the new um, uh, tools on that computer, right? Now, as us personally, that's literally what we are attempting to do. It's like, well, hey, I want to earn this much money next year. I haven't done that before. I'm not quite sure how I could do that because I'm still stuck in the $50,000 operating system. I want to move to the $150,000 operating system. Now, here's the part that's very that's much different for us as human beings. And I mentioned this in our book, we're human beings. We're not machines. So I can't just take you, Paul, go to the back room, shut you down, upgrade you and come back out and say, Hey, you're good to go. <laughs> you actually, you actually have to live with your existing thoughts, your existing operating system while you're, while you're attempting to upgrade it to the new level. So you're literally, that's why I like using that word weeding your garden, because literally you're going to start to find the weeds that don't fit anymore. Yeah. And these could also be things that have gotten you to where you're at, which is also another reason why people sometimes are fearful to let go. Right. Oh, I don't want to let go of what I've built up to this point. Right. It's almost like if I give you $5 and I'm holding 10 and I say, Paul, I'll give you $10 for, for the five. But every time I try to hand it to you, you're like, but I don't want to let go of the five because I'm afraid if I let go of it, I'll lose it. It's like, but Paul, you have to let go of it for me to give you the 10. So it's that in-between space. And if we go into, you know, uh, I've always loved that term from baseball, right? Yeah. You can't steal, sec you can't steal second base with your foot still on first. Yeah. You, ha you, have, to, you have to get into the in-between space which means you're not on first base or you're not on second base, which means you not, you're not so-called safe in the game. You could be tagged out, right? But it's, it's, the, it's the risk that's required to get to that next base. And that's the part that people get into, and that's what I mentioned in the book, is that's when the fears, the feelings come up, the thoughts start to, start to really get really strong, is you step into that in-between space. And as you do that more and more, and you also work with mentors and you do more things in your life, you start to get comfortable being in that space. That's what people talk about when they say you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's, that's and, and just to note, even our meeting today, and, and I'm, I'm like you when it comes to commitment, this week was crazy. I had a million things going on. I was, I mean, maybe I should just reschedule it. And I'm just like, no, just stick with the commitment, be uncomfortable and, you know, just do it. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. <laughs> it was great. So definitely cool. Definitely cool. There, there's another quote in your book, which I thought was really, which I thought was really interesting. And you know that, you know, the first key to success is focusing on fundamentals. And the second key is consistency. You know, what fundamentals have you found from working with your clients are really needed 
for development? Um, I found that the fundamentals are really um, just being aware of yourself. So, um, you know, I can do this with my clients, but the the breakthrough or the quantum leap really happens when a person is aware of their thoughts, of their feelings, of their actions, and they're actually aware of their results too, meaning they're, they're starting to become more aware of what they're doing, how they're thinking, how they're operating. And they'll just share it with me, or sometimes I'll be on a call, right? And the person will say, oh, wow, I just, you know what? I just said, I don't know, like six times. Like, I don't say it to them, they'll say it to me. And so that's the point where I'm like, okay, they're getting the fundamentals now. They're starting to observe themselves. They're really starting to see what they're doing, which is a huge point of power. Um, I think that's really, I mean, there's all types of tools and techniques I can talk about, but again, all those tools and techniques just really lead a person to become aware of what they're doing. That's all it really is. And the second piece, consistency applies to so many areas, right? It applies to learning the fundamentals. It applies to them pursuing their goals. Um, if there's particular work that they have to do to get to that goal, um, if there's certain lessons that I'm giving them, uh, even just showing up, right? Showing up for calls, being on time, um, being consistent with the things that they're doing. This starts to build confidence. And what's so important there is once a person starts doing something new and they, let's say they do that new thing for two weeks, it's, it's what's more important is not about what other people think, you know, Oh, wow. Okay. You've done that for two weeks straight. Yeah, that's great. But you know, what's really powerful is when a person looks in the mirror and this goes back to your comment about psycho cybernetics and the self image, when a person looks in the mirror and says to themselves, you know, I do what I say I'm going to do. I did what I said I was going to do. It builds a level of self-trust. Yeah. Because we've all, we've all been there where we said we were going to do something and then we didn't do it. And we see ourselves and we're like, wow, I said I was going to do that and I didn't do it. And, you know, you don't necessarily, I don't always feel bad about that, but you don't feel strong about, you know, you don't feel strengthened by that. But when you go back and look and say, you know what? I said I was going to do that and I did it. It builds confidence. It builds the strength within you that then, you know, you know what? I can apply this to anything in my life that I truly desire to do. Right. Again, that doesn't mean we have to do everything. And sometimes we, we also realize, you know what? This wasn't quite what I wanted to do. I think I'm going to back out. That's a level of integrity also right? To be, to start to get clear on what you do and don't want to do. But once you start to get to that kind of key path, that consistency is what's going to, it's going to, um, that habit of consistency is what's going to push you through those moments we just talked about when the fears come up, when the old thoughts come up, when the people in your life who've seen you a certain way for 30 years start to say, who do you think you are now to, to do that, right? Because we get that from our family and friends, too. That can be sometimes troubling. Well, oh, oh, now you want to get healthy, right? <laughs> so. 
that yeah, consistency. And you know what? And you, you know, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I, I just have to say this is like, and think with regards to the, the consistency, that is the path to believing in yourself. Because you would not believe in somebody who continuously breaks a breaks a promise, right? Believing in yourself, exactly. that's like the one thing that drives me nuts. Because when I see things like posted on LinkedIn, believe in yourself, believe in others. Well, give me a reason. I'm not going to believe in you if, if – I'm not going to believe that you can help me if I see you engaging in habits where you can't even help yourself. Something that has to be earned drives me nuts. So I think this is a great concept. Right. And again, you can see how I'm saying if you generate that within yourself, you'll you'll see yourself that way and you build that within yourself and then you'll start to notice other people. You'll you'll know it right off the top when you meet someone. You're like, oh no, 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 this person's doing what they say. Why? Because I do what I say, I recognize it. You see, you get it. So very cool. Very cool. One thing with regards to dreams, and I, you know, that's a big part of your theme. You talk about dreams a lot, working on your dreams. It's a big concept in your book, big part of your brand. Personally, I've been a bit skeptical regarding the dreams in a sense, because most of the time, the way they're communicated is that, you know, happiness is is at this destination. How, how do you communicate the importance of dreams in, in, in self-development when you're working with, with people? Yeah, great question. Now, obviously, there's a few different ways you can look at dreams. Obviously, dreams, first of all, um, right, are the, the thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we go through while we're in a, in a resting or sleeping state. And um, some of those dreams you'll remember, some of those you don't remember at all, but you know, it's been proven scientifically that everyone dreams at a certain level. It's just not everyone remembers everything that happened and all the details, right? So that's one level. Um, <clears throat> and that level, I talk about that a lot because that really is getting into some of your deeper, what people would say subconscious states or true states, meaning you're not really thinking about things. You're, you're actually like processing images and experiences and you actually can kind of somewhat see how you may operate in certain situations. Now me, I've had vivid dreams since I was a child. I have tons of books where I've recorded my dreams. So I remember my dreams a lot. It's a, it's a deep part of my life. And so that's why I bring that into my brand. Um, but the reason why I talk about that from an important standpoint is even when you get to the point of saying a dream, like I believe you're talking about, which is more of like, okay, this is my dream to do this thing. Like it's a goal. Yeah. Um, those are powerful because those really kind of relate to that area of vision, right? It's like you're seeing something that's not in the physical yet, but it's in the idea desire phase. And the reason why the dream is important is because 
sometimes we have ideas about things we want to create, but we don't have any emotional tie to it. Like, it's like, ah, I could really care less, you know, I could really care yes or no if that happens. But then there's the ideas where you do have this strong emotional feeling state of desire, right? So you notice that desire, dream, that we're kind of getting to these words that seem to kind of resonate in the same area. So now you're able to marshal or pull in those forces, right? Which are the feeling states with the mind. And now say, no, this is the thing that I really desire to pursue. This is my dream. And you'll know that is something that's really important to you because you start to get to that point where you're like, whatever obstacles in my way, I will move it. I will go around it. I will find a way. Whereas some other things you're like, ah, you know, yeah, it'd be cool to do that, but I'm not about to go through that for that. You see what I'm saying? So then I would say to a person, well, that's probably not a dream of yours. Then that's just, that's just a choice that you could probably go do. You know, but a dream, usually I say to people, these are things that have, it's almost like the things that call you or, or have called your name for years, things that maybe you have wanted to do since you were a child and, you're, and you still desire to do them now. And so for many of my clients, I help them connect to those unique gifts, those dreams, um, and that could even be determined as a purpose, right? Almost like, hey, what is my, what is the reason for me to even be here on the earth or my life? Um, and that's really what I get to when I talk about dreams. Um, I think sometimes people talk about goals and dreams as the same thing. Me, personally, and the way I work with people, I consider goals to be kind of the steps or the stepping stones towards your ultimate dream. Um, and those are more of the business-like steps that, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, well, I want to achieve 5% more growth this year or do these things. You know, if you, if you hear that, there's not really a, a strong emotional tie to that. It's more of a logical type thing, right? Yeah, I'm going to create a smart goal and it's measurable and it's quantifiable and those types of things. Those are, those are all valid. But that, that does not equate to what I'm talking about as a dream. I consider a dream to be more of a life purpose. It's something that flows through you. It's almost like um, the universe is working through you to bring something about that only you can bring. Like it's a unique thing that only Paul has the ability to bring. And it's something that you may actually think is really crazy or you're fearful to even talk about it. But when you get around the right people, um, you're like, hey, this is something I could do. And to give you some examples of that, where you would think, okay, well, th this makes perfect sense. But back then, they were completely laughed at, ridiculed, right? Like, think about the Wright brothers. And yeah. when I read this about, when I read this about them, Right. That was a dream they were going after to, to, to be able to fly. And they had a certain confidence and they knew certain things ahead of time. But listen to this piece. This is the part I didn't know was that I believe their father was a pastor or he was a religious leader. And he basically told them, right, his sons, 
that they were doing the devil's work, that learning how to fly was of the devil. <laughs> right. Okay. So, that, you know, that's the type of resistance that also is going to happen, right, when you're pushing with the dream, right? You're going to start, you're going to be going against some things that are currently in your environment that people are going to look at you like, what? You know, like, you know, you think about Marconi who, you know, discovered radio waves, right? His friends committed him back then, right? They literally locked him up and had him committed. I think he was stuck in, and who knows what a psychiatric war, psychiatric psychiatric ward would be like in that time. It probably was horrible, right? <laughs> um, but I think, I, be, I believe he was in there for five to six years. So you can start to see some of the things, again, I'm just reiterating on some of the points we made earlier of how, why everybody is not out in the world pursuing their dream. Why? Because fears come up. Sometimes your current environment actually threatens you and it says, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. You're not going to shake up the status quo, right? Um, your own personal thoughts and feelings are going to contradict, contradict you because you've been operating in a totally different way. Um, and even your own environment, what you see and, and walk around every day is telling you the opposite of what you're looking to create. But the beautiful piece about it is, if you look at every single thing in your home, in your life, everything that you see was a thought before it became a physical thing. It's true. That's that chair, that couch, that car, someone dreamed that idea. So that's, that's where I'm going to end with my uh, message about dreams. <laughs> no, that's great. That is a, that's really, really well put. That's really well put. And, you know, I want to wrap up here because we don't want to spoil the, the book for, for, for the audience because they really should, you know, definitely, you know, pick it up on, on Amazon. But you've touched upon this a little bit in the beginning, you know, about your legacy and, and, and so forth. But really, just to kind of bring it all back, I mean, how do you really want to be, be remembered? Really, my goal is to to be remembered is, you know, I was a person who made strives for my family, meaning the things that I did in my life benefited me and my family, which again is human beings as a whole, you know, not any one nation, creed, race, gender, any of that, like all human beings across the world, like being able to open up a new standard of thinking or leave behind a new way for us to live that actually improves all of our experiences here on earth and allows the younger generation to be able to take advantage of some of the things that are actually here now and catch up with, you know, technology. I feel we're we're moving really fast on the external with technology, but we have to upgrade ourselves as well. And if we leave ourselves behind, it literally just gives us more power to do the same things over and over again, but faster, right? So it's like, if someone is, you know, a racist or violent, 
and they don't change their internal state, and now you give them technology, well, that just means that they just have more power to be more violent, and they can do it in a quicker and more efficient way, right? So I really want to be remembered for being one of those people who helped upgrade our technology as human beings, right, of upgrading the way we live, the way we operate, the way we think, which obviously is going to allow us to create all types of new tools and ways that we operate with our earth and who knows where we may go beyond the earth you know this these discussions are already coming up you know with going to mars and other places so that's really my legacy i like to leave behind is 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 a type of thinking that elevates us and i believe that's something that um you know there's no way that that can be limited or access can be held back from people, right? Is if we start to change the way that we think and communicate and operate, um, that's the legacy I like to leave behind that I think can upgrade the entire uh, human race as a whole. So I'd like to be a part of that. That's my that's my vision and goal. Great, great. And John, how can people reach you and find out more about you? Yeah, great, great question. Um, they can always find me at my website, uh, which is www.dreampoweracademy.com. And uh, they can email me personally with the email that's on that website. Uh, they can sign up for a live your dream session, which is a discovery session where I actually help a person find out what their unique roles and dreams are. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn under Jaren Banks. So you can connect with me there. Uh, and you can also just email me directly at jaron, J-A-R-O-N, at dreampoweracademy.com. So always feel free to reach out and just uh, let's just get on, the, on a call or a Zoom call and talk and find out what's going on and, and see how I could help you or if I have any suggestions for other people that I could send you to. So I'm always open to uh, helping there. Great, great. All right, John, thanks so much. Great call, and we'll definitely be in touch. Have a great day. Okay, thank you. You got it.